Borak Thong Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 85th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comedy. Oh, man. 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode we're covering 2000 AD for August 1982, progs 276 to 279. This week, Sam Slade takes care of Kid. The Dick's E front concludes. Dread has trouble with fungus. And Ace Trucking is ready to get out. <laughs> Medical mayhem on etc. Exactly. <laughs> Let's get the ball rolling with Thrill One Robo Hunter. Oh man, I gotta protect this baby for $10,000 a day. Yeah, this baby celebrity, this grown up baby celebrity guy. <laughs> oh, maybe we could have just done like a whole like baby's day out joke. Mmm, I don't know. Uh, script robot Alan Grant, art robot Ian Gibson, letting robot Steve, Steve Potter. Um, yeah, so. Sam and the bots are the bodyguards for newly minted Britsit TV personality and former Starship pilot Commander Kid. Who we'll all remember is like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit style uh, grown up baby kind of guy. I'll be honest, it is Baby Herman if he got his own comic book. Basically, I mean, I think Baby Herman like was also like had like a, a, a nanny that he was like sexually harassing, as I recall. But um, absolutely correct. Yeah, as opposed to Kid, who just kind of just walks around as a baby, like he drives his own car and does all that stuff, you know. And he's a huge asshole. Oh, yeah. Way more of an asshole, actually, than Baby Herman, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So they head out straight into the guns of a robot assassination attempt. It's like four or five robots trying to shoot a baby. A whole bunch of robots. as bullets flying everywhere as Sam guns down. Like, just a ton of robot assassins. One comes swinging on a vine and stuff. There's so many that Sam gets knocked out and Kid has to pull a pistol out of his diaper and start shooting them all. Man, wouldn't want to touch that diaper. Or gun. Diaper gun? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's how he keeps it. You know, it's like when you uh, when you hold a uh, your money in your sock or something. Is that a gun in your pocket? Or, you, or a gun in your diaper? Are you just happy to see me there kind of d- joke? There are definitely signs in the South that say, like, uh, like during the summer at, like, a, a sev- at a gas station, like, no sock money, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. That, you know? Gross. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So with the assassins finally destroyed, the RoboCops finally show up, but all they want is just Kid's autograph, you know. They go to the TV studio where where Kid's show is taped. Uh, the show is called, like, Space Family Ogden, which is like a takeoff of Swiss Family Robinson, I assume. And, and Ogden's such a weird name. It's true. But uh, And Kid's a real terror on the set. Like, he orders that his little girl co-star be given space mumps so she becomes less cute. Um... And I, did, I mean, I just used the word asshole. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, whatever. Um, and he has uh, Sam added to the cast of the show, so he can be as close to Kid as ne- as an as as he can. And Dude, he thus, becomes a grandma. It's good. Yeah, he a new character joins the show. It's Gran. It's so fucking Looney Tunes. It's real weird. So S- S- Sam Slade is Gran, a star is born. I don't think. Which that's a 80s for not, by the way. (laughs) That's what what Stogie says about uh, Sam's uh, uh, acting turn. 
Oh, that's great. Uh, then Hoagie messes up the scene they're in because he's like hiding along in like a uh, Grand's uh, 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 suitcase. Mm. And as this happens, Sam notices a weight in the lighting grid being cut and pushes Kid out of the way at the last minute. Oh, then, snap. Yeah, then in comes Kid's understudy, who's an adult sized man, baby. I'd like, I don't know if that really works, right? It's, you know, I assume that they just have him look like a baby. And then even though he's human, even, even though he's adult size, they just sort of, you know, use forced perspective and stuff. So I assume he does a lot of scenes where he's like actually standing like 10 feet behind everybody else, but he appears shorter, like, like, like Lord mm. of the Rings, you know? Yeah, there you go. That guy's Orson Cart. And, um, you know, Sam's pretty sure that Cart is the one behind all these murders because of the cutting, the rope being cut and then him rushing in asking if his kid's okay. He has Hoagie follow him, you know, keep an eye on him, follow him around, you know. Classic mistake. <laughs> As, um, and also Sam is, you know, Sam isn't that worried about, it. you know, he definitely, instead of uh, solving the case right away, wants to uh, make sure that he can keep getting 10,000 creds a day from a kid, you know. He's got his priorities right. Um, I mean, man needs money. It's true. So they drive home, uh, kid storms off the set. And as they fly, he's getting real paranoid. He demands that, like, Sam open fire on a ship, on, on a uh, space plane that is uh, covering nearby that he's paranoid about. It turns out to just be a bunch of, like, um, retired robots going on holiday, I guess. <laughs> Which, like, man, I, he's, like, got guns all over his car. It's true. He arrives home and we meet Kit's mother, a lady with a human head grafted onto a given body after her body was crushed in a, in a truck accident. And uh, Kid chose the the monkey body like to save money. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to like a top of the line robot body, which apparently the mom was totally into and I am totally into. Yeah. No, a sweet robo frame. Said you get that robot, you get that monkey body and sort of have a bunch of climbing bars installed in your um, in your apartment. Which is, you know, I mean, kind of fun if you wanted to be an ape. It's definitely making the best of a bad situation, you know? Yeah. Uh, the guys eat dinner when suddenly Kid starts to swell up like a balloon. Kid's real weird. It, he just suddenly inflates. It's true. Yeah, man, he's growing and floating into the air. Luckily, this is a situation that where, where uh, Sam knows the cure, Fox, which is a swift punch to the gut. <laughs> <laughs> yep, just got a burp, bro. You're a baby. Hey, that's a fair point, actually. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the simplest things are the, are the most obvious ones. Uh, just so everyone understands, uh, Space Spinner 2000 does not condone the punching of a baby in the stomach. No, the, the burping of a baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. Jeez. <laughs> of all the things to give disclaimers for, man. <laughs> um... So it looks like a helium gas pellet was put in kids' food, which caused him to, ex you know, expand because the inflow because the helium. I guess don't think about it too much. Yeah, um, I was about to say. <laughs> um, Sam or uh, sorry, kid accuses his mother of uh, poisoning his food when suddenly a hover car blasts through the window of the apartment, open fires on kid, drops a grenade, and then flies off. <laughs> That's what we call comedic timing. That's uh, what you call, uh, listen, screw these subtle methods of assassination. Let's just do it the hard, let's just do it the easy way. 
Which is, I guess, it's throwing a, a cast iron bomb into the room. Absolutely. Um, so Looney Tunes. Sam, Sam climbs into Kid's hover limo and gives chase, shooting down the assassin. In the wreckage, we find both the, bo the dead body of Orson Cart, the understudy, and the live body of Hoagie, who's been keeping an eye on him. He never lost sight of Cart the whole time. Uh, he didn't have any orders about contacting Sam if there was an assassination attempt coming, though. <laughs> It's real God Hoagie. <laughs> Such a dick. I love this is the stuff that I love about Hoagie where he's like, Yeah, no, I did it. I don't know what you want me to do. When he just gets <laughs> real, real Amelia Bedelia about this stuff, you know. <laughs> oh, oh my god. <laughs> um so with the assassin taking care of Kid Fire Sam, because you know, whatever. That's is no more killing stuff. So there goes that I, paycheck. <laughs> I just really feel like someone who's had like an assassination attempt thwarted by a dude would not just immediately can him. Like you keep him on for a couple more days just in case. I mean, that's a fair assumption, especially because once Sam gets back to the office, he gets a phone call from Kid, and it looks like uh, his hover limo has just been hit by a lazooka and is going down fast. So Sam's like, "Yeah, okay, I'll be, I'll, I'll take the case again, but uh, how about a raise, you know?" Dude, that's that's such a badass thing to do he's like yeah, i'll take cool. you know Especially i'll take more money and i'll help you out of this situation right now but i just like how calm kid is as his ship is like crashing um without you know a mile down to earth he's like oh i better call sam i guess <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a situation where i should definitely get some assistance yeah. as opposed to out about my life <laughs> so sam agrees to restart the case he advises kid to bail out of his hover limo and use his diaper as a parachute which um, it doesn't really go that great. Like it's made of fur. It's not really like a good parachute material in the first place. Yeah, uh, he insults uh, people on the way down at least. I luck, guess. And then man, and then manages to bounce off an awning and thus land safely in a series of awesome sound effects. It's like a womp, slither, a thump. The slither, like, because he hits a wall and then, like, slides down the wall, making, like, a, a slithery squeaking noise, I imagine, because he's, you know, just a naked dude sliding <laughs> down a wall, you know? Yeah. I, I can just hear it happening, and it's very funny, but also, like, rough. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't want to be a naked dude sliding down a building. Mm -mm. In the hospital with a broken leg and a bruised posterior, uh, Sam stands guard over Kit's hospital bed. As he's visited by the cast of the show and his mother, the cast includes uh, this alien guy who's a shapeshifter and that just kind of kind of changes shape to whatever alien alien of the week they need for the uh, for the show, which I think is kind of interesting. And I I mean he's holding this bottle to present to him, mm -hmm. but the only words that uh, I can read on it are P O I S, which really seems hmm. to spell out poison. It seems possible. <laughs> because just as, so you know, everybody who comes to visit him is basically giving him a bunch of shit, like get well slow cards, and right. you totally deserved this. So yeah, I guess this so alien's much. just giving him some poison. It could be. Uh, his mother visits him. Kid's pretty pissed at everybody. He even like turns a water hose and a bunch of well wishers that have gathered outside the hospital. Really not great for your fans to Those just are your like fans, get fans, buddy. Uh, <laughs> you know, even Sam's just like you know, maybe not the best idea, dude. Mm -hmm. That night, Sam is asleep on guard duty when a smoke bomb is thrown through the window. Hoagie only has one question: Should he wake Sam? It's like <laughs> next time, uh, no smoke without Slade. 
That's pretty good. <laughs> but I man, I love I, I love I love Hoagie's obliviousness. That's always super fun. It is the thing that makes him better than Walter. Mm-hmm. And then I just like all these different, like all these tons of characters. It's one of these things where it's like it's supposed to be a mystery, but it's a mystery where really everybody has a motive, and um, <laughs> like you know, there's no like like it's not like who. Who could have killed Kid? It's like, who isn't trying to kill Kid, you know? <laughs> Which yeah, is exactly. The real mystery is how it took this long for an assassination attempt. It's true. He's a huge, huge jerk. Yeah. And hey, speaking of assassination attempts, Fox. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thrill to Rogue Trooper. Uh, script robot Jerry Finley Day. Art robot Colin Wilson. Letting robot Bill Nuttall. So, back at the beach... Uh, we're still trying to figure out how to get the F out of here. Yeah, Rogue and Sister Sledge are stuck on this beach on the far end of Dixie with nowhere to go. The chips are getting nervous, and they don't want to hang out with Sledge that much if it means that, like, Rogue sacrificing himself. They don't kill yourself for some dame, Rogue. Yeah, man, you're four men in one, not just one man. Yeah, you weren't on your own with this. Uh, luckily, Rogues finds a life raft and has Sledge stand guard with Gunner while he gets it all ready, and then just kind of reminisces about this whole storyline. You know, we get a nice just sort of you know remembering the good times and the fighting times and stuff like there's that. There's a there's a lot of that in this comic of just like last time on Dragon Ball Z crap. I mean, that's you know that that makes sense honestly. Like you know, this comic comes out every week. And mm. while we get them all, I think it's honestly a pre- it's for just from letters and stuff. It seems like there's pretty clearly like you know a ki- it's it's you, you, kids are often not like getting every week of 2000 AD, you know? Yeah. Or I mean, and it's expensive. Yeah, and they're jumping in and jumping off and stuff like that. So you kind of have to keep these recaps to um so so so, so you, you you definitely have to have a big recap at the start of every comic just to give people a setting but then also at the end of storylines they also want to kind of do like just a a, a sum up of the storyline so that you can sort of be like you know oh like I, I remember this part or oh i missed that part i should i should tr- tr- try to find it somewhere you know mm-hmm. that's what it seems like to me at least i don't know yeah I mean, it's still, I, I, I'm sure it's there for a reason. Yeah. And I mean, this is a tw- like a 12-issue um, thing. We've been doing the Dixie Front for a while. It's the longest, mm. d- definitely the longest Rogue Trooper story we've, we've, oh, we've had so far. So, aboard the boat, Rogue tries to celebrate, but suddenly gets sick. He's been paralyzed! Oh, no, man! There's only one thing we know that does that, but he's in the ocean, not the Arctic. Yeah, but it looks like Sister Sledge has been a Nort agent this entire time, and has been secretly trying out toxins on Rogue to see which one paralyzes him, and now she's figured out the right one! Oh uh, my god, all the... All the chips were right. Yeah, or at least Bagman was. She's called in uh, backup to pick her up and presumably kill Rogue. All it took was the gentle touch. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sister Sledge is a traitor. She explains she's been betraying Rogue the whole time, including killing all those cadets. And how um, she, when Rogue gave gave her gunner to stand guard while I got the boat ready, he like she like unloaded him. So that he can't auto fire and shoot her in the she's face. She's doing the classic bad guy mistake, which is monologue. One hundred percent, one hundred percent super monologuing here. As she does so, uh, Bagman seems to have uh, descended into some sort of a uh, insane laughing fit. I guess. 
Yeah, he's just being crazy. Yeah, but it turns out that this was all a ruse because as she walks by him, one of the little tiny robot arms inside Bagman reaches out, grabs her ankle, and trips her, and she falls into the scum sea. He's like, gentle touch. That's a good one. <laughs> gentle touch. Yeah, you tripped and now you're dead. (laughs) She falls into the water where her chem suit quickly dissolves and she drowns slash just perishes horribly. You know, she's like, ah, Rogue, help me. And all the chips are like, ah, Rogue can't help you. You paralyzed him, remember? And Bagman gets the... And Bagwin gets the final thing where, like, maybe I could help you, but frankly, I don't give a damn, which is pretty good. <laughs> I don't synth the damn, man. That's great. Oh, synth the damn. That's right. <laughs> it's got his own little, like, thing, and I'm like, oh, shit, it's like yeah. that one quote from Gone with the Wind. That's right. Uh, so the next day, Rogue has recovered and shoots down the plane that was coming to, re- to uh, pick up uh, Sister Sledge. The Dixie front is lost, but Rogue still has some designs there to spoil the celebrations of a Nort victory. It's time for an assassination run! Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Sometimes so, you just gotta assassin. Always, always times you gotta assassin, if you ask me. <laughs> So let's check in on uh, Brass and Bland, the uh, scavengers and war profiteers with the excellent hats outside their their suits. <laughs> yeah, they're bowler helmets. I love these guys. Um, we met them previously. They're salvaging what they can from the battlefront of, the Dixie, of uh, Dixie when they receive a report of Rogue being sighted in the western coastline near the city of New Nuremberg, where the victory celebrations for the Dixie campaign are being held. We also find out that the both of them came from different sides of the war. One of them's a south yeah. and one of them's a north. And they both can like uh, continue to have like tech secrets that allow them to successfully uh, salvage things and stuff like that. Mm. But yeah, man, they're putting stuff aside to uh, make money off of uh, human bloodshed misery. It's good times. <laughs> I mean, everybody else is, so why not them? That's true. Um, so the Nord, so it, it, it's, it, it looks like Nords, uh, traditionally dip the ends of their, like, banners in, like, a river before big celebrations and stuff. And seems a bit weird, but yeah. yeah all right. I'm pretty sure this is based on something that, like, uh, German troops do or something in real life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so while they do this, uh, Rogue comes out of the water and k- takes one and kills one dude and then implements the oldest trick in the book officially, which is, of course, to put on um, the uniform of an enemy and then infiltrate that way. And apparently inside of Bagman is a rubber mask. A ugly human mask that you can put on and be like, I'm a Nord, I'm ugly, uh, This definitely isn't racist and doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. It really does kind of look like um, like a World War II like anti-Nazi propaganda poster or something like that. It's real fucking like, all right. Like if you wanted to, you know, if you wanted a poster that had the t- subtitle of like Kill the Dirty Hunt or something like that, it'd definitely be this. Oh, my this God. Mask. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm German. I'm claiming it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Yeah, so Rogue makes his way into the stadium, clearly with revenge on his mind. Meanwhile, Brass and Bland have money on their minds, and they prepare to sell Rogue out to the Norts. 
We also get uh, like a hit list style Tarantino esque. Here are the four guys that yeah, he's yeah. going to try and kill. Yeah, it's the start of the celebration. Yes, we see like uh, it's the marshal of the scum marines, the commandant of the sun legion, the general of the army, the admiral of the navy, who all stand in this big glass pillar with artificial atmosphere in it to to take their masks off and receive like you know medals or special commendations or whatever. Man, the sun legion dude. He's got the best job because the Sun Legion's pretty cool. That's right, crazy para uh, uh, paraglider troops. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Rogue, meanwhile, has in, has entered the area and in his he's he's carrying a standard where he's hidden Gunner, who's gonna like be um, you know up, high up and like take these guys down basically. Um, as this is happening, Brass and Bland try to sell that info to um nort high command but nort high command is not interested in the information from a bunch of scavengers they're quite confident in the security of this uh event you know yeah exactly they're like oh we're alerted but you know you also alerted us to you we're gonna take you out that's right be on notice <laughs> <laughs> it's a very judge dread-esque response definitely well, because they aren't even like, although they aren't even like saying like, thank you for the help. They're saying like, yeah, we know, whatever, we're fine. Also, also, you're under arrest. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. So, uh, Bagman, so, uh, sorry, so Gunner fires, but hits a, a high velocity energy shield that stops his bullets and then also sends a, a silent alarm causing Nord <laughs> Millifuzz to sweep the area. Oh, man, how are you going to deal with this problem? Man. I guess affix a rocket launcher to your gun. Basically, well, it, what happens is, uh, desperate for revenge, yeah, Rogue grabs a detonator from Bagman, which is item 69. Nice. And he, <laughs> he attaches it to a seal. Penetration. A, oh, yeah. He attaches it to a seal burster, like, bullet, which basically turns it into a grenade, and then throws it onto the podium, and it's slow enough that it doesn't activate the shield, because it's, like, a high-velocity shield or whatever. Um, so it, uh, like, cracks this dome thing and um, exposes the folks inside to the deadly atmosphere of New Earth. Uh, the Commandant and the Marshal both die, but the General and the Admiral are able to get their masks up in time. Not um, great. With half his targets killed, Rogue escapes in the turmoil, both from the Norts and the Scavengers, and it's finally time to concentrate on their real mission, taking out the Traitor General and getting revenge. Oh hell yeah. Matt Talon style. Dude, this is, uh, it's getting good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, Sister Sledge was definitely someone that I felt like partway through you start to really get the feeling like, oh, she's not cool because the chips are like, she's not cool. But mm -hmm. now she's not cool is at least cool. Yeah, and I like also, the re. She melted in a sea. Definitely. The, um, the art of how Sister Sledge dies and stuff is really amazing. Um, oh, it's fucking great. <laughs> like, it's it just, it's just super brutal of like showing her. Like, uh, falling beneath the waves and, like, cursing Rogue's name and stuff. She looks super, like, like the, uh, the emotion on her face and stuff is actually really awesome. Of just really giving you a sense of, like, ah, like, she's pretended to be nice, but she was actually been super evil this whole time. Oh, no, you know. That's what you get for falling for a chick with Farrah Fawcett hair. Sometimes she's just gonna poison you and then give you up to her command structure because she's a filth columnist i mean that she is a filth a filth columnist that can't be um forgotten but you know 
I mean, if you say no to every lady with fair faucet hair in 1982, I mean, you know, you're just, there's not going to be a lot of ladies left, you know? <laughs> fair. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> Anyhow, next time on Rogue Trooper, it's hats off to Helm. Oh, cool. And, That's cute. Yeah. And speaking of hats off, Fox, it's Thrill 3 Mean Arena. Oh, I just got that. I don't know. Uh, Skip oh, Arena. Man, it makes so much sense near <laughs> the end of this. Script robot, A Ridgeway, art robot, Mike White, letting a robot, Peter Knight. Actually, you know, maybe uh, I should have said in, in uh, speaking of treacherous females, it's. <laughs> oh, no. Or like, um, uh, no, it's not Nicolas Cage and John Travolta in the amazing movie Face Off. It's Mean <laughs> Arena. Uh, no more drugs for that, man. All right. <laughs> so. <I love> <laughs> The way for Brazen to be on the team is cleared, Fox, as her replacement, Roper, has been killed in a blast from one of these vampire troops. It basically, oh, God. Why did yeah. this man explode? It just looks like basically if you, like, tap these vampire dudes in the chest area, they explode. Um, Which is, by the way, the best thing that's ever happened to Mean Arena. It's definitely a real tough booby trap when you're playing a contact sport. I can't stress that enough. Um, and, like, every time, I mean, like, a bunch of these dudes just start exploding, Yeah, you, man. like, throw a boomerang at their chest, they explode, you fall on the ground, you explode. <laughs> and then, like, oh, man, what's, so, this is getting real weird, uh, we gotta make it to this score cubby yeah. coffin. Well, suddenly, uh, uh Mike Slater cubby. has a revelation, and that's as Matt Talon makes his way to the vampire's goal. And, uh, you know, as he does so, he comes under the gun of the vampire's long stop, uh, who gets one shot to, to, to try to kill him. The, the long stop makes one shot with Knox Talon over, and he's about to take an illegal second shot. <laughs> To kill Talon. God. When Brazen shows up, shoots him with her droid gun, and then he explodes too. It's like, what the hell? I wasn't trying to kill him. He wasn't her droid. Yeah. As she does this, she picks up a, men- a, a message from Control telling her to stop Talon from scoring because if he scores, he's dead. Because, oh my God, this whole thing was a setup for the stake through the heart. Yeah, because to wit to score in this uh, setup, you got to put a stake through the guy's heart, which means that it'll cause his chest to explode, killing him and you. But only the Slayers team. So now that's why that's weird. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely real, like, oh, so this was just a setup to kill Talon the whole time? Like, what's going on here? It's a real long game. Yeah. Like, next. I mean, well, no, until also, it, like, it's been a long game until now <laughs> where it's been like, whoa, it's a real short game. <laughs> I guess uh, Mother Earth's playing the long game. Is, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that seems fair. Yeah, because she had to like spend the whole time establishing her own street football team and working up the <laughs> ranks and stuff like that, you know? And then it's wait like, for a moment where you can challenge your- challenge the Slayers, like wait for them to lose to the point where they're looking for an opponent and stuff. Yeah, no, she's deep cover for sure. Oh my <laughs> God. 
so ridiculous, this whole thing. Yeah, so next up, it's a pretty quick one. Uh, Talon goes to goes into the vampire crypt to score, but both he and the vampire player don't realize that when he drives this piston stake into the vampire's heart, quote-unquote, he'll explode and kill them both. Uh, luckily, Brazen shoots the hammer out of Talon's head before he can strike. Mother Vlad has set up her players to die, and Talon wants to get to her before her unwitting players can. But man, it looks like they're already after her, because they are not pleased about being Dude. pawns in this revenge game. <laughs> but before this, of course, the guy who he was going to stake tries to leave the room, stumbles and falls and explodes. So it's... even more people. It's been like five or six of these dudes have just exploded throughout the entire game. They're going to run out of players just accidentally. Just like, well, I oh, guess... <laughs> Like, th- like some dude like straightened his tie and accidentally exploded. You know, oh, that would be real <laughs> bad. I that's exactly what I don't want to have happen when I like straighten my tie. Definitely, yeah. So the guys that are like confronting uh, Mother Vlad and being like, "Hey, like you tried to kill us," they're still wired to blow. So and Mother Vlad's <laughs> totally down with just throwing a rock at one of her guys and making him explode as a diversion. Hey. It's real bad. <laughs> uh, the street football cameras pick this up, though, and it's a broadcast over the objections, the seemingly pointed objections of Kevin O'Connor, the always mm. notably anti-Matt Talon announcer of street football. And who you would think is like, he's one of the guys who's like, yeah, show the explosions and death. Oh, let me make a but, funny quip about that yeah, shit. Yeah, now Mother Vlad's in trouble, and he's like, ah, cut to commercial. And the rest of the guys in the production van are like, nope. Dun dun dun! Mm. Uh, Talon also moves to confront Mother Vlad, but before he can, she takes a screamer to the head and uh, falls off the side of a high tower. Which, just so everyone knows, she has run from everybody, and for whatever reason, the construction of a spire, Mm -hmm. right, with outside steps running up the entirety of its height. Yeah. With just a platform on top. Well, I think it makes sense if you think of, like, you know, this place is designed to be a street football field with kind of a gothic, like, a vampire-y kind of feel to it. You know, like a castle yeah. kind of feel. Like, just to create places for, like, the glider vampire guys to, like, jump off of. Or, oh, like, okay. you know, to have, like, a dramatic fight or something like that, you know? Or to get a boomerang to your fucking forehead. Exactly. Yeah, Mother Vlad falls off the side. You actually see her, like, land on the rubble and stuff like that, which is pre honestly kind of graphic for, like, comic books at this point. Oh. Uh, I mean, there's another graphic thing I'll bring up later that I, mean, that's I was true. just like, whoa. Yeah. But so, um, Talon goes to talk to Mother Vlad, um, with her, her face mask breaks so you can, re- so her, her identity's revealed. Um, with her dying breath, she curses Talon and says the remaining Hexa gang members will destroy him. And when the media finally arrives to catch up with Talon, he says that she told him the names of the remaining Hexa gang members, <laughs> and now he's coming for them too. Next time, the Wrath of Talon. Smart dude. And also, I'm like, Wrath of Khan? Question mark? Like, this is a Seems definitely possible. Yeah, I think it's a tip of the hat. Definitely seems so. Also, uh, I guess they just won that game? I don't know how it works. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I mean, ultimately, if they didn't, it's going to be real bad. Yeah, because right? Rolo Hardy was being real pissed. He definitely like made ta- made them play this game against the vampires, and then definitely forced Talon into doing the death strike, so he'd be the one definitely to score in a deadly scoring situation. Wait a minute! But, uh, you know... 
Yeah, I mean, like, at, at the very least, it feels like the vampire dudes need to forfeit because they were pretty illegal of a team. They've definitely uh, lost half their dudes, <laughs> at least half their dudes, and their manager's dead. Like, you know, there's just not a lot, a lot of team left, you know? Uh, and I, I guess Matt probably won the $500,000. Maybe. Whatever. Also, uh, and this is just a quick mention, don't interrupt a comic book with an ad, like, in the middle of it. And also, make sure if that ad's going to be anything, don't make the fucking green cross code. Okay, okay. I'm going to get to this in this next session, Fox, because speaking of the green cross code, it's non-thrills, nerve center, and pop culture robots. Uh. (laughs) So, starting with 276, come on, you tin creeps, I'll murder you! With uh, Kid Sam the Bots fighting mad in this Ian Gibson cover. He's shooting stuff. Yeah, both the kids cover this month really seem hard to explain in comparison to the normal ones. You know, they seem like they'd be hard sells to, like, your mom at, like, the newsagent, you know? <laughs> like, give me this, it, buy me this comic with the murderous baby on the cover. Or buy me this comic with the exploding, like, uh, balloon baby on the cover, you know? <laughs> I promise it's sci-fi and completely yeah. fine. <laughs> uh, in the Nerve Center, Tharg is stoked about the release of the 1983 annuals. We've already covered the Dread One Fox, and we'll do the uh, 2000 AD annual next week. Yay. I'm pretty excited about the 2000 AD annual. Actually, it's got a lot of uh, char- a, a, a lot of characters we haven't seen in a while doing stuff. Um, hmm. There's a real fun westerny kind of strontium dog story, and... Uh, goddamn fantastic Nemesis the Warlock story. Oh, fucking great. I'm um, excited about those things. Definitely. Yeah. Um, there's also art for Judge England, which has like a, like a Union Jack shoulder patch, which I think are pretty funny. Um, <laughs> letters asking where the original art for 2000 AD goes. I think at this point it mostly goes into like a set of drawers in the IPC <laughs> offices. But these days, actually, a lot of it gets sold by uh, the creators, you know, at like an auction or something like that. Mm, old prints and things. Yeah, it's cool. Like, there's definitely like, you know, I've definitely heard people talk about like having like certain pages or like covers of certain progs, like they own the original art for it and stuff. That seems super cool. Man, that's neat. Yeah. Um, there's also a short story featuring a modern uh, Celestial Marie instead of a Mary Celeste. Mm. And in the end of the prog, there's a bonus nerve center complimenting Ace Trucking, which I think is well-deserved. Absolutely. Yeah. Prog 277. Have you seen the Mushroom Men? Presumably on Drury Lane? <laughs> wow. Um, Escara's drawing. There's just these awesome and terrifying fungus-based cover. Man, these Mushroom Men are so scary, dude. I don't like them. At very, they make me just uncomfortable. They make me like feel itchy, kind of. It's you know? real gross. I really don't like fungus body stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's like seeing this mare walk around with all these pustules and yeah. gross. Super bad. Oh, God. In the nerve center, uh, Tharg, Tharg Talon has, does not find the idea of going on holiday to be all that fun. And a writer accuses <laughs> all the nerve center letters of being fake, which, man, just su- such skepticism from a young man, you know? <laughs> what? But it's also one of these things where I definitely think that at least, you know, I'd say like 80% of the letters at least are real, um, just because 
you know, Steve McManus doesn't want to take the time to write these letters themselves when people are actually sending letters in, you know? Bro, with the amount of times that we have seen the same back issue, can I get back issues thing? Yeah, people there's keep, no way it's kids. People wouldn't be keeping this, asking the same questions over and over again, you know? <laughs> yeah, and they wouldn't want to, like, they don't need to advertise that shit. Yeah, like, I don't think the actual uh, creators would have the Earthlit Terran debate. That's just so banal, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, towards the end of the prog, Rojas has a review of Star Trek II, Rathacon. He gives mm-hmm. it an 8 out of 10 in a review that focuses mostly on the plot and, like, special effects and stuff. He says Jet that this... W- yeah, you know, he... Uh, he says this one's stronger than the first one, which I think we can all agree. He definitely yeah. wishes that there were more character stuff, and he's unhappy. He, he doesn't really talk about it, but clearly I think he uh, doesn't like how it ends in, in like that cliffhanger with Spock dying just because it so mm-hmm. clearly says, like, hey, watch Star Trek Three to figure out what's going on here, you know? <sighs> which, you know, yeah. I mean, Star Trek Three is literally the quest for Spock, you know? That's <laughs> why it's a big fucking deal, man. It's mm-hmm. not a bad film either. It's just weird. I mean, I think... General consensus: the even numbered Star Trek ones are the better ones. I really like mm. uh, Rathacon a lot. You know, for beyond just making jokes and, and Ricardo Montalban, but you know, it's got some cool, like whatever. I don't know. I like this. I, I like the, the uh, space fight. You know, like think of, oh, I was yeah. like, oh yeah, we're moving in three dimensions, buddy. Like, oh yeah, like it is space. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Great. Um. Uh, also, Rojas calls the other movie droid in 2000 AD D-Mill D- uh, Mankey, which is British for crappy, but not a term I hear a lot, so I always think it's kind of funny when I do hear it, I guess. Huh. Um, there's also reader art at the end of this prog, which is all mashups. There's a Gronk thrill sucker, and man, I miss the Gronk. And then yeah, a... Oh, and then there's a rogue, a rogue tortoise and Judge GBH. Rogue tortoise <laughs> is my favorite, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a turtle with helm for a shell, basically. <laughs> it's real cute, and it's got a uh, uh, rogue's mohawk yeah. and eyes. It's real good. I I, I really like it a lot. Um, <laughs> Frog two seventy eight. Oh man, kids blowing up like a balloon. Inflation has hit Britsit. <laughs> God, get it. <laughs> Tharg the Thinker lets us know that Mina Arena is taking the week off and that you should get all the annuals. In the letters, international readers want to be able to enter contests. Uh, a reader says that a scare is great. And a new reader is stoked about 2000 AD, which is also awesome. Hey, welcome to the fold, buddy. Yeah, there's a cool picture of a Salonian Death Guard, I want to say. And this prog ends with a rogue trooper pinup, possibly showing him fighting the Lunar Lander, I guess. I'm not sure. Which, all right. Finally, in 279, Matt Talon is on the loose as Mike White draws a cover for the beginning of the end of Mean Arena. Murder! In the Nerve Center, Tharg, the World Cup winner, announces the beginning of a series of pinups for writer and artist droids, starting with DJ1. Letters call out some CB lingo mistakes in Ace Trucking, and another suggests a Nerve Center swap shop. Which is which would be like a, a nerve center version of the children's Saturday morning call-in show called like Multicolor Swap Shop. What? Which was like apparently this show that was like it would go for like three hours on Saturday morning, and it was just like people call like kids calling in and like talking about the news of the day. They talk to celebrities and stuff. Uh, if you go online, look for it. There's like a, a video on YouTube with a very uncomfortable uh, adamant, like just like picking up a, a, a rotary phone and answering questions from from kids right. and stuff it's pretty cool honestly awesome 
Um, also, in this one, we start seeing commercials for collected versions of Ro- of a Robo Hunter and Judge Cal, and they're just straight up calling it Judge Caligula, which I think is pretty interesting. Jesus, um, I mean, Cal could just be short for it. I mean, you know, that was it was definitely the implication that that ju- that, that 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 Cal was Caligula when that came out. I think it's interesting to actually just straight up say Judge Caligula when that's not his actual name in the story. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um. Then, like, um. We get a uh, uh, Midprog DJ One sends us more Mega Sounds. We learn that that Duran Duran are uh, 2000 AD fans. They're hungry like the wolf for thrill power. Fox. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. And then during Mean Arena, we get the like Fox says the return of the Green Cross Code uh. in the form of the Green Cross Droid, a very Robbie the Robot looking being obsessed with kids crossing the street safely. Hey Fox. Hey Conrad. Just so you know, uh, in my in my in my commute to my new job, I uh, have to cross this really busy street, and there's no uh, like crosswalk or light or anything like that. I I, I have to run yeah. across the street basically, and yeah. so now uh, whenever I do that, I remind myself of the Green Cross code to wait on the curb, look, listen, and then cross safely. <laughs> No, you don't. I manually remind myself, do the green cross code when I do it, just because I know uh, it'll drive you insane. Like, <laughs> you don't need to. You've got perception. Roll um, for initiative, asshole. I want to say also, Fox, you you and everybody else listening to this really owe it to yourselves to look up Green Cross Droid on YouTube and watch some of these commercials, because they're I'm pretty awesome. Right now. <laughs> Right now, like there's one with there's a couple that that bring back uh, David Prowse, the guy who's inside the uh, Darth Vader armor, um, and a bunch of like just real jerk kids, jerk oh English kids, like almost get hit by cars and then having um, being told to look both ways. Oh my god. Kids running off. Thank you. Oh, it's so good. The Green Cross man shows up out of shot, nowhere near where these children are. That's right. He listen. Green cross, oh my god! Green cross man knows what's knows what's up. <laughs> this robot's pretty sophisticated. Danger, danger! Will Robinson, look, listen. Green cross code. <laughs> um, oh god, this is horrible. This is so horrible. <laughs> so this prog ends with a pinup of DJ One. He's a very red robot playing a record with a needle built into his finger, which I think is pretty cool. Um, yeah. You know, if you're going to be a sound bot, you definitely want to have like built-in speakers and yeah, and like the ability to just play records with like what you're what's built into you. You know? Hey, why not? Yeah. Right? Uh, there's also a ton of little stuff going on in the background of this cover. It's by Ron Smith and, you know, to his usual thing, there's just a ton of little, of like different album covers and like little notes on the wall and stuff like that. Um, it's really like, it's, it's, it's extremely detailed and it's really great. Uh, we're yeah, gonna have man. a bunch of these coming up. First, we're gonna have the various pop culture droids, but eventually actual like artists and authors and stuff. Um, you know, it's gonna be like a, like a belt. Bellardinelli one and a Scarrow one, an Alan Moore one, even a uh, Tom Frame one. I'm pretty excited about it all. Oh, Tommy. Yeah. Give me some Tom Frame. And speaking of Tom Frame, it's oh. Thrill for Judge Dredd. Script robot for Judge Dredd, John Wagner and Alan Grant is TB Grover. Art robot Carlos Escara and um, Jose Casanovas, letting robot Tom Frame. Oh, so. man. This living fungus is real gross and making this guy go real crazy, and mm-hmm. it's eating up his whole body, and I yeah. want to, like, vomit. Yeah, Mayor Grub is more mushroom than man. 
He has a final moment of lucidity before dying. His final words, please don't eat me. <laughs> then, so weird. All the mushrooms in his body explode in a huge swirling vortex of spores. Ugh. Uh, Med Judge Kildare desuits in the cloud, letting the fungus infect him so that he can be a test patient to uh, and everyone's get like, "What the stuff. fuck?" Yeah, it's like there's got to be a better way to um, see how the spores grow than to expose yourself to it. You know, just shows the like fucking dedication of the medical judges. They're like, "I'm gonna feel this whole thing out the whole way. Seriously, we're gonna know everything that it, like it feels like and firsthand experience." And yeah. we're going to figure it out while I get fucked up. It's like they just like they don't have like just some lab rats or something lying around. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> uh, Dread leads a team to find the mushroom infestation. And once they do, they burn it down with like napalm and stuff. Um, it's determined that like it's got to be a combination of like a couple different factors that make the reappearance of these mushrooms a, a billion to one chance. So once they've destroyed these mushrooms, that's pretty much it until some of those survivors from last episode show up who also got exposed to the spore from uh, Mayor Grubb's like bindle full of mushrooms, basically. Yeah. Um, and now they're like wandering about still on a loose. And according to Judge Kildare, he's got 60 minutes at most before these guys burst and risk infecting the entire city. Not a good situation, dude. Mm-mm. We cut to Chief, to Chief Judge Magruder, and I want to say, I don't think I've mentioned it before, but my favorite thing about Judge Magruder is that she's got these skull earrings that yeah. are super badass, I gotta say. She's alternative as fuck. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I think she's just super hardcore. Um, she yep. sends out a citywide bulletin to capture the mushroom men. Uh, killing them just makes them makes them burst, Fox. There's a bunch of cool pictures of judges on bikes using nets to capture them, which oh, I think yeah. is really awesome. Get them with the cling nets. Yeah. Despite what what so Magruder said that they can cure that they can cure you if you turn yourself in and and, and yeah the, the, the fungus and stuff. But definitely can't do that. It's looking like that's definitely not the case. <laughs> um, and it's rough because another it's mushroom. Better to round people up and promise a cure. Well, yeah, you got to quarantine them at the very least, and the promise of a cure is a better way to mm. do it. Um, Absolutely. There's a, there's a pretty rough, it, it gets rough because one of the mushroom men has burst when a bunch of goddamn juves from the, uh, Fred C. Dobbs block, and that's, a uh, Humphrey, uh, Bogart's character in this, in the, in, in the treasure of the Sierra Madre. But they find one of the mushroom men in, like, a trash can, and then they just, like, kick the shit out of that trash can and roll it down a hill and stuff, which kills him, which these kids are jerks. Um. Oh. But he bursts and infects Dude, all... Dude, like breaks his neck. Yeah, it infects all those jubes and, like, 20 bystanders or something. Um, there's two more mushroom men left. One gets aboard a city bus and bursts, which is terrible. And then yeah. another one, Dredge, shoots in the face with an incendiary around, burning him to death before he has a chance to burst. Which seems the safer choice, to be honest. I mean, I guess they just, again, like, they're trying to do good PR and stuff like that. They can't just be... I mean, honestly, I don't think it would stop them. But, like, for some reason, they've decided that they don't want to just start burning these guys to death on the street, you know? Yeah. It separates us from the sobs, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the fungus has been controlled as Med as Med Judge Kildare dies from fungus infection. The several hundred people infected by the fungus in quarantine get the bad news. There's no cure. They're all going to die from this infection. 
it's super grim. But hey, your names will be entered into like this list of people who have heroically defended the city, I guess. There's got to be millions of names on that thing at this point. <laughs> yeah. Really? Millions of, millions of fresh names, for the record. Oh, <laughs> like, fuck. Um, but yeah, I, I like this story a lot, man. It does a great job of being... Like, of the fungus being super-duper creepy, and then of just having this, like, real, like, downer, like, this is just life in the future kind of ending that I think is really a bold, like, storytelling choice, I guess. <sighs> it sure has been Judge Dredd for the past long time. I mean, that's true. But, you know, I think it's also interesting, I guess. I don't know. Oh, no, I, I find it absolutely fascinating, because you can't find that. In fucking American comic books, as far as I can tell. I mean, I just, yeah, just, like, the the grimness of it is really, like, a huge change of pace of just, like, yeah, like, you know, sometimes Judge Dredd doesn't succeed. Sometimes when he does, it's not, like, a 100% victory, you know? This ain't no Star Trek utopia. Exactly. <laughs> and so, but, hey, let's lighten the mood a little bit, Fox. Let's have some fun. Yeah, with the game show show, starting... Seems odd. Yeah, it's it, it opens with a great uh, color opening pa- uh, two pages by uh, Jose Casanovas, who, you know, he he's he's done a lot of stuff in like the annuals and the specials and stuff like mm. that. So it's really I think it's really great to see him in the progs and in color, you know? Absolutely. Um, so we start with a guy named Laughing Less. He's going through a deadly obstacle course full of trip wires and machine guns and stuff, only to get squashed by a giant weight. And all this is being narrated by an evil game show host, basically. So you can see, I assume that's not clothing, but blood shooting out of him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, like, so gruesome. Yeah, they're, they're, a lot of people get messed up in this storyline. It's pretty awesome, honestly. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so it looks like game show hosts from around the city, hundreds of them, are being kidnapped and killed. Uh, Dredd, who we know, of course, during the, uh, from that one, uh, story during the, uh, Apocalypse War, has a pretty low opinion of game show hosts in general. Um, we then Less get a- of them are good. Yeah. Magruder's like, go back and find, go find those game show hosts and bring them, and bring them back. And Dredd's like, dead or alive, you know? Everyone's like, he makes jokes. Like, I don't he's think joking. he's joking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we get a flashback for a Barrymore Dreary, a boring and awkward dude who has always wanted to be a game show host, but gets kicked out of the profession. Like, you know, ex, ex, he's like struck off the roles of the game show guild, of the game show host guild, and of course, yeah. his revenge. Well, as you do in the future. Yeah. Um, after the Apocalypse War, he's inherited billions of dollars and built a crazy murder death trap. You know, as you do, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're going to go crazy with that much money. Man, you got to think insurance has just been working overtime since the Apocalypse War, you know. Just so many yeah. claims to file and stuff. Um, but so he starts basically just inviting game show hosts like, Hey, like you want to get, make $2 million to work in this one game show host? Like, sure, I'll come. And then they, you know, come to the show, they're imprisoned and have to go through the maze and they die horribly. Um, yep. Maybe you'll win uh, $2 million. Maybe you won't. I have to assume that most of the people being killed in the course of this storyline are uh, parodies of actual early eighties British game show hosts. Oh yeah, maybe. But I, 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 it's too hard to Google all those. I, I, I have limited powers. Um, mm. but anyhow, their bodies are definitely being found by Dread, so he is on the case. Uh, dude, 
Dread investigates as we see another game show host die on the game show show, this time falling into a bed vat of acid. Another's forced to eat 50 kilos of rockcrete, which is, you know, concrete basically, after failing a memory game. A third is unable to take apart a clock uh, in 10 seconds, so it releases a deadly gas. And a fourth gets <laughs> smashed by a giant robot hand. Super great stuff. <laughs> it's pretty honestly, a lot of these deaths, while gruesome, are also pretty funny. <laughs> I gotta say. They are. They're very, very like, a, it's a very slapsticky kind of murder, you know? Mm. Eventually, Dredd tracks a hover limo back to Dreary's place and rushes in to put an end to the violence. He comes in blasting as Dreary escapes into his own maze. Turns out he's also built a crazy maze for murdering people in this house. Yeah. Uh, Dredd follows him, dodging various traps and deadly robots until he dodges a robot bull, which then knocks Dreary over the finish line of his own maze. And because he's completed it, it means he wins the grand prize, which is one ton of flesh-eating worms! Oh, man. Guess you're going to get eaten by flesh-eating worms now. He's quickly skeletonized as Dredd calls for backup. Because he wants his whole maze shut down because he's really not that keen on seeing what the prize for second place is. <laughs> no. Next time, Gunge. I'm super excited Gunge. for Gunge. Oh, man. Um, Sounds so gross. It, yeah, that's 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 a fair assumption. Because <laughs> Auto, Auto Sum's coming back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I like Auto Sum. Yeah, man. Uh Thrill and uh, hey, speaking of uh, you know, I don't know, winning, completing a storyline because we completed two in Judge Dredd this this time. Jeez, it's Thrill Five Ace Trucking. Yeah, and we're back to the Bams. Yep, script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner as Grant Grover. Art robot Massimo Bellardinelli. Letting robot Steve Potter. Hey, Feek died. Hooten heck, Feek is dead. Guess he we went- gotta throw us a. Uh, Reverse celebration. Old-fashioned funeral. He was yeah, swallowed by a giant bird monster. Oh, no. Uh, Ace and GBH break down into gigantic, like, old faithful geyser-level tears. And we see oh that GBH, GBH has a... Like... He's, like, putting out, like, a kiddie pool, basically, from his eyes. It's a huge, huge amount of water. And the next day, GBH is wearing his hair down in a mourning veil as they set up the <laughs> gravesite. This is also where we actually, for the first time, see the Bams doing their thing. They all get in a circle, hold hands, and dance around. And suddenly they double in number, which is pretty terrifying, (laughs) Fox. Yep. I mean, Massimo Bellardinelli being a weird head. The the Massimo head is so crazy, just because the beard continues all the way down and stuff. Like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the boys try to try to do the, the multiplication dance themselves. It does not work. Um, and the Bams hold a meeting. Like, sure, this planet, man, it's pretty hostile. Like, four people have died. But, you know, they've also gained way more people. So on the balance, like, let's just stay. It's fine. Yeah, who cares if people die? As if in an answer, there's a massive earthquake, and the plateau they're on splits apart, and everybody falls in a giant crevice. Ah, damn. Everybody's dead. (laughs) Kind of. (laughs) Well, nah. Our guys survive the crash, uh, Ace, GBH, and the Pig Rat, and 14 BAMs do as well, who then go on a mega-doubling spree until there's like 400 of them. Which, God. All right. 
The Bellardinelli clone declares his defiance against this planet, and the BAMs continue colonizing. You know, they're, like, testing if plants are poisonous or not the hard way, just sort of eating them and, like, seeing if they die or not. <laughs> just noting it down on a clipboard. Mm-hmm. And then they, they run afoul of giant um, insects, huge hailstones, and even rapidly growing trees that mummify would-be woodsmen. Still. Jesus. You know, they're losing. And that's horrific. That's yeah, the guy's <laughs> trapped inside the trees. Good lord. Um, but you know, they aren't, the losses aren't that bad, like as a percentage and stuff, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that night, though, the camp's bonfire billows up into an awesome fire wraith. Oh, it's, this was fucking He's super got cool. huge teeth and he just looks super creepy. Leave this world or you will die. And so awesome. it's funny because Ace is like, dude, we're trying to, but our ship's stuck in these vines. <laughs> and it's like, uh, no, it's not. I totally fixed it. You're, you're, Get out f- here. you're fine. Leave this place. <laughs> it's like, um, oh, so not, not that creepy of a wraith. It's just trying to like do its wraithy thing. He just does. He wants, you know, he's just trying like he, he it's, it's stage four of the horror movie. Where the yeah. ghost stops just saying get out and being scary and start just being like, come on, you know, <laughs> like, just come go. On. You guys are jerks. <laughs> just wanna... I'm being a Cthulian horror. <laughs> yeah, so the fire wraith demands everybody leaves. Ace agrees, but the bams are obstinate and refuse to leave. Um, this is annoying. Ace and GBH, Ace, GBH, and the pig rat are like, okay, guys, see ya. You know, <laughs> they like head back to the ship, but along the way are stopped by a hedgehog monster that says they're going nowhere. Then they get shot up into the sky by a giant geyser and eaten alive by a giant bird. Oh man, now we're in this stomach, but holy smokes, there's Feek. Yeah, luckily they're actually just swallowed alive instead of eaten alive, and inside the monster's gullet they find Feek alive Yay. and chilling in a gut hammock. Welcome to Feek's Grotto, hee <laughs> So great. I want to say also when the pig rat was telling this story of Feek being eaten, mm. like Feet's quote when the bird was taking him away was like, no! <laughs> Which, yeah, it's so great. I think it's pretty, like, man, I love um, just Feek's commitment to, like, country prospect or gibberish, you know? <laughs> Dude, it's real good. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, so they're joined by the initial six BAMs, who are sort of the head, you know the, the head of the or- of the operation, basically. And the monster then lands on a cliff face and disappears because things are getting weird. Yep. And then Rockbiter from the Neverending Story shows up <laughs> right. from the plateau. Rockbiter, yeah, a uh, an animate mountain man guy shows up. <laughs> he changes to humanoid form. He introduces himself as Gordon, the Living Planet. <laughs> Basically, he's he's a personification of the entire planet, which is also him and everything living on it, I guess. He doesn't want these Bampots living on him, dude. Um, you know. And it's bad because he's been trying not to kill them, but he's really worried about their um, exponent, or I guess actually mathematical growth rate. Um, yeah. It turns out that the ones that were trapped by the, um, by the earthquake didn't die. They just got trapped underground. But it's which- one of those... It's one of those things like uh, like coyotes, Fox, where if you start like trying to kill them or endanger them, they actually breed faster and breed fast enough to make up for any damage you've done to their population by, by trying to kill them. They just fuck like crazy, I guess. So now there's like thousands of BAMs living underneath this planet. <laughs> Real not good. He lets them out and he's just like, please, oh God, just get out of here. 
Please stop having sex in my apartment. And uh, the Bam's like, nah, we're staying. It's and real is, not great. Ace Rude. is like, oh. And like Ace tries to be a, pe- a, uh, a peacemaker. And it's like, but listen, guy, you know, like, be cool. Like, maybe they can, maybe you can let them stay and the BAMs will uh, stop multiplying. And the BAMs are like, that's not going to happen. We got to keep multiplying. We're crazy head monsters. Yeah. <laughs> so instead, Ace convinces uh, Gordon to let the BAMs stay for a year. And Gordon, being a big a planet-sized being, can use its giant brain to figure out a way to solve the BAM problem. Yeah. Probably just by killing them all. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> Uh, once this is settled, the boys quickly return to their ship and just be like, fine, we got no problems. We're just going to go get paid, whatever. <laughs> and, Bams, here. and the Bams celebrate their new home by doing what they do best, multiplying over and over. How do yep. they do that? No one even knows. <laughs> That's it for too many Bams! Oh, man. We now go to our next Ace Trucking story. It's the Cloystar Run! You know, Speedo Ghost arrives at Beehive B, the massive transport depot, where both Ace and his hated rival Jago Kane team up for a big shipping job. Doesn't seem like they would do that, you know? I think they just both want to do the work. You know, Ace basically explains that while he hates working with Jago, this job seems super simple and easy, and he could use the time off after the whole BAMs and crazy monsters situation, you know? Yeah, fair. Um, he and GBH arrive back to the ship. They find Feek working at something, but Feek won't tell what. And they just sort of chill as the cargo is loaded by robots and they head out. Ace decides he's going to sleep through the whole flight. So he just lies down, uh, lies down the cruise quarters, uh, plugs in his intravenous Mac Mac supply, and catches some Z's. I, I, like, goddamn Mac Mac intake valve. It just, you put it in your mouth and it just sort of, you know, delivers a steady flow of Mac Mac down your gullet as you sleep. It's good times. But suddenly, Ace wakes up with a start. Someone's cutting through the ceiling. It's Jago Kane with an axe. He and his Biffo start to attack Ace, and with a mighty swing, Jago cuts off Ace's point. Oh, what the hell, man? That's the uh, point on the top of his head. No, he needs that point. Next time. Point power peaks. Yeah, it looks like things are heating up for Ace Trucking Fox. Wow. And speaking of which, it's Thrill Six Future Shocks. Yeah, <laughs> one. This story is called Hot Item. Just one Future Shock this month. That's right. Uh, script robot Alan Moore, art robot John Higgins, letting robot Jack Potter. Oh man, Fox, it's the heat death of the universe. Oh no. I guess. Yeah, all energy is slowly dying out. Doing anything takes an enormous amount of time and effort. As we see with a pair, with a pair of dudes in a coal-powered snow tank thing filled with vital energy supplies on the run from these orc dudes. (laughs) Always the orc dudes. Yeah, the orcs try to shoot them, but their bullets don't have any kinetic energy left. Our heroes then put a couple centimeters between them and the orcs and basically just escape because that's way too far for them to try to catch up. Yeah. Um, they aren't safe yet, though, as some boulders fall off the cliffside, but gravity is now so weak that they're able to pass beneath the falling uh, boulders without any accident as they slowly fall to the earth. 
Um, Easy peasy. Yeah. As the sun burns out, they are attacked by thermo leeches, which are these crazy, like, I don't know, slime monsters, kind of? But sure. They manage to escape when one of them loses valency, so all the electrons on their atoms stop working. They sort of collapse in a big puddle, and then the other leeches yeah. turn on that puddle, essentially. Super gross. Super gross. They finally arrive at their settlement and announce they found the ultimate energy source in this increasingly energyless world. What is it, buddy? It's back stories of two. It's back issues of 2000 AD. <laughs> God. <laughs> so stupid it's pretty dumb i don't know i got a soft spot in my heart for when these ones end up being uh commercials for 2000 ad but it's still pretty lame it's it's uh it's dumb with a heart of gold yeah you know whatever um and hey with that fuck hey dumb with the heart of gold space aka space spinner 2000 it's <laughs> that's it for the for thrills oh this God. month <laughs> Holy crap, we done did, dude, made it. Totally. The question remains, though, what were your top and bottom thrills for this uh, August 1982? Man, man, oh, man. Uh, God, it's real hard. Because, like, see, me and Arena gave me all these chuckles, mm-hmm. like, this week. It was so d- dumb. But, you know, Rogue Trooper got this good twist going on. Mm-hmm. And I really think Judge Dredd's super gross. Mm-hmm. Fuck. You know what? Here, I'll I'll do this much. Yeah. Um, I think that my <clears throat> top spot will go to Mean Arena. All right. Because it was second it was week in a row. Funny. I think. Well, yeah, and it, dudes were exploding. Shit's moving. Like definitely, he's on his vendetta. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like, and, and mind you, matches were played. The match was just you know people were cheating and doing bad boy stuff, but yeah. like. People were doing things that weren't just exposition for no reason, and he's on his murder rent <laughs> page. It's in his stride. Yeah. Uh, but but my bottom spot, I, you know, be honest, I'm going to give it to Ace Trucking this week. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, <clears throat> the the BAM story was fine. It's cute. You know what I mean? But sure. generally speaking, it was like, all right. And then a new story starting up, but I, I don't have a ton invested in it yet other than then i want to see what this whole jago cane thing is going on but i think it has something to do with the computer what they installed or Mm -hmm. what they were fucking around with you know Mm. so totally yeah it was all right but you know i'll say this ace trucking doesn't get a low point for me often because it's fucking amazing and hilarious but yeah that's that's mine how about yours conrad top and bottom Oh, man. I think for my top, I'm going to say Judge Dredd again. I really love these Judge Dredd stories. Uh, the fungus yeah. one is really great. Um, the um, the game show show I thought was really fun. I really liked Casanova's art and just all like the various ways that people died and stuff. That was really amazing. Yeah, and um, especially combined just with like, um, you know, having a story for the villain and then Dredd sort of just come, showing up and messing everything up and stuff like that. You know, having a punchline at the end. Um, you know, for bottom, it's tough, man. Honestly, there's a lot of really good stuff this month. Um, like you, I really like the I really like the, the twist in Rogue Trooper. Um, mm, yeah, I really liked. Uh, um, I thought the Bam stuff was really like ridiculous, especially like the ghost showing up and saying to get out and stuff. That's really like my. Um, I like when when uh, when it's a horror story where a ghost says get out and the person involved says yeah okay I'm out of here. You know, that, I think that's really yeah funny. exactly. It's like, oh, that's totally fair. We're getting at it. Yeah. Um, I thought Rogue... Yeah, the Rogue Trooper Twist was... Uh, 
ace trucking um yeah i like you i thought mean arena was pretty good actually um just you know they're really kind of getting things going i think it was really great how those guys kept exploding i really like yes <laughs> like the uh the resolution of um mother earth and stuff that's really good so i think my bottom's gonna have to be robo hunter this month oh um, yeah. You know, I lo- I like Robo Hunter, but like this one, I don't know if it's the strongest one of these uh Brit said Robo Hunter stories we've seen. Like mm. I don't find kids kids abrasiveness to be particularly charming, I guess. <laughs> and so, yeah, and I don't remember him being particularly this abrasive. No, nah, he was pretty abrasive back at the end, you know. Like um remember how he like uh made uh Slade be like his slave on the plane right oh, back to yeah, Earth that's- and stuff? Weird. Yeah. So there's, it's definitely in character. It's just sort of like, ah, like this stuff isn't sort of like, like, I guess sort of like the idea of it being like show business and other things like that. A lot of the elements that should be funny and like interesting in this one aren't really hitting me the right way. So, yeah. Robot Hunter isn't super, it's still real good. It's still, you know, it's not bad, right? It's just definitely, when I make the hierarchy of thrills, it's definitely at the bottom of my list for this week or, or this month. I, yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. Nice. Yeah, so I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site at Cradleline.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter at Space Spinner 2K. For everything else, look up Space Spinner 2000. We should be there. And yeah, then- yeah. Come back next time as Rogue Trooper is hot on the trail of the Traitor General. Ace Trucking gets religion. Some of Judge Dredd's greatest enemies return in the classic, as the uh, classic Destiny's Angel storyline begins. And Otto Sump returns for Gunge. It's tasty. Um, uh, and uh, what? Yeah, Robo Hunter. Gunge. It's tasty. That's that's right. You, uh, wait, you'll see the cover next month. You'll see. Um, uh. <laughs> Robo Hunter pushes my ability to look up early 80s British pop culture to its limits as the Robo (laughs) World Cup begins. Okay. And after two years and over 75 episodes, Mean Arena finally concludes. Oh my god. Yeah, it's the end of the uh, end of the road for Matt Talon and those guys. Until then, I'm Connor at He's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid birth rig! Splendid birth rig!